Good evening, everyone. It's great to have you here together today at First Christian Church. For everybody here in the West, welcome. Everybody in the East, again, as Brian has said, welcome everybody online. It's good to have you and everybody in Lovington as well. So um, if you're a guest with us, perhaps you want to know who, who I am. My name is Wayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be up and down about 17 times tonight. On the, not that quite that many, but a few times to chat with you now and then. And uh, in order to start the chat, may I suggest you could take a Bible, uh, either on your smartphone or grab one that's close by. If you're online, there's a tab on the uh, online service where you can pick up. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to read tonight in just a few minutes. While you're looking for Luke chapter 2, some observations that have I've, I've kind of had going on in my head in the recent days, because like you, my email box is full of all kinds of stuff as the year end is coming to, as the year is coming to a close. Um, the best of this, the best of that, like the best books of 2019, and I look at the list and <laughs> I actually printed it out because I thought, I've not heard of any of those books and I probably need to read a few of them. Uh, I'll just be a little slow in the draw, they were 2019, I'll read them in 2020. Um, and then, maybe, 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 I want to be honest, I might. Maybe not. <laughs> um, the other thing, that, um, the, like the best movies, the best songs, uh, all kinds of things, the best, um, the best oh, the, if you could say the 100 people of most global influence. I read through the list. I didn't find my name. I noticed your name wasn't there either, so there you go. Uh, the best places to plan your vacation for the coming year. The best places to buy clothes or shoes. I, lately, I've been getting a lot of email about the best things for old age people. And I go, what's with that? I never used to get that. After all, I'm only 37. I shouldn't be getting it just yet, but some other, they think I'm older than that. One list that came my way that's very interesting is the 100 best in, inventions of 2019 that are going to be available in 2020. For example, Puma sneaker company has a new digital smart sneaker coming out. You go, well, I mean, what's, what, what can you do? I'm going to run, I'm going to walk, I'm going to exercise. Well, the Puma smart sneakers make it easier to exercise. There's a little um, kind of a sensory pad, sensor pad on the top of the shoe. And if you're so inclined, you can just reach down and do your fingers up like this, and it laces up, do your fingers down, and it goes unlaces. I find it quite ironic. There's even a smartphone app for it. You can push a button, and they lace up, or they unlace, and nothing says, um, um, you know, like exercise, like pushing a button on your phone. Seems stupid to me, but there you go. Seem, and, oh, here's something else that's got my attention. The Chinese have just um, unveiled a new helicopter. It's called the Great White Shark. Now, does that look like a helicopter to you? If you saw that in the sky, wouldn't you think the aliens from Mars are coming? It can travel at 400 miles per hour. Can you imagine? And I look at all this stuff that's coming in my email, and while I've re you know, been reading this in the last couple of weeks, I'm also thinking about this service and thinking, Okay, we've got people of 2,000 years ago and their story and Jesus was born and Joseph and Mary and shepherds and wise kings, wise men, magi. He goes, could they, do they relate to us in any way? I mean, could, could they recognize our lives? Certainly not the tools we have. I mean, they have no sense of even traveling at 400 miles an hour. We get that, let alone a helicopter doing it in the sky by itself. Uh, it's just, just so many things that don't make sense, aren't there? And, they would go, this doesn't relate to us at all. Though I will say, as I look back at their lives, I'd say, well, I do recognize some things in their stories that I can relate to. For example, 
I really like the story of the shepherds around the birth story. These are the kind of guys that any one of us could hang with. I assume they're guys. We don't know. There may have been some lady shepherds as well, but nonetheless, the, the people out in the fields, are they're responsible for the sheep, and the sheep are not always the most um, compliant. There's always one of them off there going, bah, bah, and they say, get in line, get in line, and then they get in line, and you go, I wish they had, they smell, and all this. So these are the people who were involved in the story of Jesus' birth. Read with me, beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and uh, you might want to keep your Bible open because we're going to come back to this yet again tonight. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. This is as Jesus is being born. This is verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I mean, I'd be terrified. He says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born now. The town of David is Bethlehem. The reason it's called the town of David is because that's where King David had been born more than a thousand years previously. And it's a tiny little hamlet of just a few hundred people at the most at that point. So somebody's been born there. He is the Messiah, and he is the Lord, and this is how you recognize him. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly then, this one angel is multiplied by thousands of times as the entire heavenly host, the entire angel choir team shows up in the sky. They're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest in heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. I love these guys. Minding their own business, minding their own sheep. It's dark. They're settled in for the night. Darkness is all around us like, quietly, finally. And suddenly the light shows up. Do you know that for those of us who are Christians, we believe this actually took place. This isn't some metaphor, some sort of make it up story. No, we believe this took place. We believe it's real life. We also believe it's a snapshot, if you will, of life. That you go from darkness, darkness needing some light, they're in the dark and light shows up. And I wonder, if they, were to, if they were to make a selfie, if they could take a selfie with a selfie stick, would the angel be behind them in a bright light and they'd just be their shadow? Or would the angel be in front of them and their faces would be lit up? I don't know, but I do know this. When I think of photographs of times like this, I'm mindful that photographs usually are fairly dark. You know, from the 1850s and when photography was first started and Mindful, they're dark, they're usually in black and white. And Do you know that also describes what Christians believe? We believe that at one time, the world was full of light. Back before the days of Jesus, back in, the, in what we would say is the, is the um, Old Testament, in the days of Genesis, we believe there were times, and, and says the Garden of Eden, that it was lovely and all was well, and there was a tree, and there were, um, there were all kinds of really cool things there, but then you've got people relating to one another, and you know what happened? Sin showed up, or that's what theologians call it. We'd call it real life. Messes. And from that point on, the mess grew and grew and Oh, there was a moment when um, God said to a fellow man of Abraham, hey, I'm going I'm to make certain there are, 
there's going to be some answers to this mess through you, and I'm going to create a family out of you, and that family's going to be more than the stars in the sky. And that family, of course, was the Jewish nation. But there was still a mess, lots of it. And if you think of the messes of history, you've got one king and kingdom fighting for another, uh, fighting one another in control. And remember, the, the kings would have their, their, their crowns on, and they would be, um, they'd be like the Greeks. Pardon me, I'll start with, shall we say, the, the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians, then the Greeks, and the Romans. And throughout all of that, you've got people being chained to one another. And you've got subjugation, slavery. And in the midst of that, Jesus shows up. See, friends, when we read history, we're not just reading the stories of textbooks, okay? We're, we're, we're reading about lives that were lost, about epic battles between power and greed and empires, and in the midst of it, people like shepherds and carpenters and young girls, they were pawns, a lot of darkness. And we say Jesus came to bring light. And yet we must acknowledge that while that's true, there's plenty of places in our own world, this side of Jesus, places that are in need of color. We need the glory of the Lord to shine around us because if you can think about our world, what do we have? We have a world that is run by alarm clocks. We have travel. You can go around the world in 24 hours and you can rush through the airports. You've got urban cities that are just jam-packed full of people. And we say, I mean, I'm going to get out of, I'm going to get out of all of this black and white. I'm going to get out into the color of nature. I'm going go to a, I'm gonna go to a park. And we go to the national parks and how do we get there? We go through on a highway that's built right through the park and we travel through the park at 75 miles an hour and we miss the color. Hmm. And that's why Jesus came. He came so that we could trade darkness for light, black and white for color. What's it got to do with Chinese attack um, helicopters and puma sneakers that can lace up themselves? Well, I suspect the people of the ancient world wouldn't recognize the tools that we have these days. But they'd recognize the darkness and the need for color in our black and white world. Together, either side of the story of Jesus, history pre-Jesus, history after Jesus, isn't the prayer of humanity something like this? You draw the hearts of shepherds. You draw the hearts of kings. You pull, them to, pull us to you. Even as a baby, you were changing everything. You called me to your kingdom before your lips, as a baby, before your lips could even speak. And even as a baby, you were reaching out for me. Those scriptures we just heard are all, of course, from a Jewish context the shepherds in the field, they were Jewish. Uh, their tradition and faith said that a Messiah was going to come one day and uh, change the black and white to color, get rid of the mess, change the sin to righteousness. And um, those scriptures we heard were the foretelling scriptures about Jesus' arrival. But even as they would have understood that sort of prophecy from 500, 600, 1,000 years, or even back at the third chapter of Genesis when uh, God says, uh, Eve, you're going to have, have out of you is going to come, someone who's going to crush Satan's head and get rid of the mess. Um, they would never have expected that they'd be up close in front to that story. I mean, right front row seat, right? 
yeah, Messiah is going to come, but are we going to see angels? Are you kidding me? It's reasonable, I would suspect, if they had a conversation about all this, the conversation would go, one day a Messiah is going to come. That's what our forefathers tell us. And we're we're going to get rid of the torture that we presently face under Roman rule, okay? This business of people being chained to one another. We're going to get rid of that. And we're going to be able to uh, throw it off and be people who are free again. But their experience is really important. See, Jesus showed up for the sake of humanity, absolutely, to get rid of the mess, to get rid of the sin, to correct the violence of history, the struggles of history. And if anything, history shows us the places where there's plenty of violence, where there's plenty of struggle, and places where, man, it's really black and dark, yes. It's big picture, it's big world stuff. It's about the culture and economics and politics and global mess. That's why Jesus came, but beyond that, he also came for a few shepherds whose personal world was about to be invaded by light. See, the coming of Jesus is both big picture, big world stuff, and it's also for you and me. It's for us as individuals. Maybe I could explain it this way. Um, This season of Christmas or Advent of 2019 has been different for our family. And in a nutshell, not to draw attention to us, but to kind of illustrate the need for some light in our own world, if you will, our own personal lives. Um, in, in the fall of 2013, I'm being candid with you about this tonight. Um, we, we ended up in North Carolina at Leslie's parents' house, and we'd known that my mother-in-law wasn't well, that she was struggling with memory issues. And long story short, we walked into the place where Cecil and Sarah, my in-laws, were on a Monday morning at 8 o'clock after having traveled from there, from here to there over Sunday. And my father-in-law says to me, uh, Wayne, I mean, this is 8 o'clock in the morning. We're not even in the door. Hi, how are you, son? It's really good to see you. Uh, I can't do this by myself anymore. Sell the house. Move us to Decatur. You're in charge. I'm putting you in my hands. I said, it's lovely to see you, Dad. <laughs> Seriously, that was the, it was in like one breath. Hello, fix this, if you will. And uh, with that began an adventure and a um, journey for us that has taken six and a half, almost six and a half years since then. We moved them to Decatur on December 13th, 2013. Cecil, my father-in-law, died in March of 2016. And throughout that period of time, Sarah, my mother-in-law, her um, mental capabilities have decreased dramatically. Alzheimer's is what it's called. Terrific. By the time that Cecil died, we don't think that Sarah recognized us any longer. You could say our names and she would say, yes, I, but you know, it, it's, it's difficult. Throughout the past year, it's become obvious that her days were coming to an end. Um, she was no longer able to walk, uh, really didn't speak a whole lot, often just stared straight ahead. If we wanted her to see something, we had to often put it aside and she would see something, but she wouldn't recognize what she was seeing. Her arms and hands throughout the last six to 12 months have gone like this to where they were more or less permanently here like this. And then uh, the middle of November, late November, it became apparent that her brain was shutting down its ability to send signals to her esophagus and throat and tongue. She no longer knew how to swallow. No matter what kind of food we gave her, pureed. And so she died, December 10th. 
Uh, we haven't ha even had the service yet. We're going to, we're waiting through Christmas. We'll have the service this coming weekend. And um, people have said to us, how are you managing? How are you managing all that? Well, I'd have to say that Jesus came to redeem both history and our personal stories. And as a person of faith, I have to say, he's redeeming that story. See, I don't know how many shepherds there were in the fields that made their way to Bethlehem. I don't know if it was two or five or seven. Maybe it was 17. I don't know. But I do know this. The result of Jesus coming was that their world was changed. He came, he came to bring light and new life to the places in the world that were trending toward darkness. Yes, Jesus' birth was about the need for the world, but his birth was also about the need for color and for changes in our lives as individuals. His, his, his arrival was so that we would have the glory of the Lord shine all around us. So I'm back, a little more about the shepherds, if I may, by, uh, well, I'll say it this way. I was, um, I was a high schooler in the 1970s. I started high school in 1972 in the days of epic rock and roll bands. And uh, I remember the first LP I ever bought, though, by then it had been out for probably five or six years, but I was 14 and finally had some money that I could spend on something I wanted. And I went out and bought an LP by a little known group called the Beatles. And uh, the name of the LP was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And when I talk about my, the music of my generation, I sometimes, particularly from some of our younger staff members, get this blank look, like, what are you referring to? Well, you know, that album, um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, When I'm 64, Penny Lane, and a little help from my friends, or, oh, was kind of my generation. And then there were some other groups that came out as well. And so uh, Lacey's going to play the introduction to a song that maybe those of you with some rock and roll sophistication education like me might recognize. Does this sound familiar? Some of you are looking at me. I'm looking at some of the young people going, never heard it in my whole life. Well, let me tell you, this was phenomenal. What's the name of the group, friends? Chicago, and the name of the band is Color My World. Illinoisan born, right out of the Chicago Transit Authority. Does that ring a bell? It's, it's those three words, Color My World. Don't they form a humanity-wide prayer. God, take my black and white world, my world that is trending toward darkness, has been that way since all of time. Would you color my world? And that's what happened to the shepherds. We read that the angels showed up and they, they, they went into Bethlehem and uh, they went down to see what was going on. As the story goes on, they look at the baby and he's right there. And then they tell Mary about how they saw these angels in the heavens. And the angel said, hey, there's going to be a baby in the manger. And um, uh, they go around, they tell everybody in town. And it says, everybody marvels at everything they said. And then they leave and go back to the hills, praising God. I love it that it's the shepherds that are the first at the scene. You know why? Because in the ancient world, if you think about the strata of culture and society, the, the shepherds were at the very bottom. 
Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. You had to be away from the house at night. You had to take care of the sheep. There's always that one or two sheep that are bah, bah, out, you know, get in line, get in line, we talked about. And you're out there by yourself and you're going, okay, or with just a few people and it's like, here we are in the dark, waiting for the dawn. But there you have this great business that Jesus brings up later on. That... Um, the meek will inherit the earth. The poor will be lifted up. The downcast will be changed. The first people on the scene, low on the, on the totem pole. Now, I know that the story of Jesus coming is for all people. I'm really glad for that because I know I'm not the lowest on the totem pole. You have later on, you have the Magi showing up from the east. These men that come as kings, as you will, with expensive gifts, and they've got all kinds of education. And so you have both sets of extremes of culture right in front of the baby. But the first on the scene, the marginalized, the needy, the ones out, used to being out in the hills in the dark. And I love it because what it says, regardless of our lot in life, regardless of our station, regardless of our popularity, how much money we have, how much education we have, whether or not we have degrees on the wall, whether or not we're white collar or blue collar, all are welcomed. And for the shepherds, man, they were welcomed there. And their lives are changed. They meet the Savior. Not only is the not only is, is, if you will, a figure of faith and the Messiah for the people, their faith, he is, in fact, God right in front of them. They would say to each other, here is God right now in front of us. Now, those who have been part of the life of our church over the past few weeks know that we've, throughout the Advent series, have been emphasizing different words. We started with joy and the the promise of joy for the followers of Jesus Christ. We went to adore, that we, we adore, we worship God. And then this week, it's here. This business that there he is, right here in front of us, is God. The theological word for that is Emmanuel, God with us. You know, it's a name that was actually given to Jesus. That you have the result of Jesus' birth is this, that God comes as a human to be with us, God with us, Emmanuel, so that we would know that God knows what it's like to be human. Maybe I could explain it this way by talking to you about, if I can, about um, the way in which that word Emmanuel is used throughout the New Testament. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, in the second half of the Bible, there are these biographies of Jesus. Christians call them gospels. Four different uh, biographies of Jesus from a different, four different writers' perspectives. And uh, they're trying to bring, if you will, some color to what's going on and help us understand the story of Jesus. And one of them is a fellow by the name of Matthew. Matthew starts his story, believe it or not, by saying, this baby that's born, is the angel saying to him, to Jesus' parents. Hey, you're going to give him the name Jesus, but that name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so you have at the very beginning, the first book, bookend, if you will, of Matthew's story, you have God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. And then you go through 33 years of Jesus' life, 28 chapters of the book, and you've got Jesus growing up. You've got him starting ministry. You've got him ministering to the crowds. You've got the things like Sermon on the Mount and... Um, You've got all the teachings and the miracles and the struggles with the leaders of the Jewish nation. And you have the, um, the execution. He's dead and he's in the grave. Then he rises again and he gets back with his disciples. And the last thing that he says right before he goes to heaven, disciples around him, and he says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's the end of the, it's the, end of the story for Matthew. At the beginning 
His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And then you have Jesus himself saying at the end of the story, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. God with those disciples, God with us, always through Jesus Christ. It's Emmanuel, God in Jesus Christ, coming to change our darkness to light, to change our black and white to color, to change your world and my world. And with that, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, um, you sent Jesus Christ so that um, we would know that you have this plan to be with us, that you have a plan to deal with the mess, the sin of, the, of history, but also like the shepherds so that we could have an up-close-and-front personal front-row seat experience with you. I pray, Lord, that that would be the experience of everybody here today and those online. See, Lord, it's not just about the angels saying peace on earth. It's a wonderful experience for all of the earth to be peaceful, but it's for our personal peace as well. I pray, Lord, that this coming year, all of us would experience that peace that's found in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So, friends, we have a couple more, a few more things. We're going to get you to sing a little bit more in just a moment before we close the service. But um, we'd like you to be aware of this. On behalf of this congregation, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to you. May, may Christmas of this year be the best ever. And then may 2020 be full of God's best gifts to you. And if we could help you to understand a little bit more about how God's best gift of Jesus Christ and his presence in your life, right here, Emmanuel. If we could help you in that endeavor, we'd love to have a chat. Call us. Grab my elbow yet today and uh, say, I, I need to talk and find out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Our mission as a congregation is to help people become devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We'd love for you to experience that. May God's grace and peace be with you in the coming year.